Thank you for listening to the Ebenezer Speaks podcast of the historic Ebenezer AME Church in Detroit, Michigan, where the Reverend Dr. McCarl D. Thomas Sr. is the senior pastor. Located in the heart of the Motor City, we are a family where love makes the difference in our worship, in our community, and hopefully within you. More information on our programs and services found on our website at www.historicebenezerameDetroit.org. Thank you for joining our podcast. We're supposed to do, and we give God the praise, the honor, and the glory. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart uh, be acceptable in thy sight. Truly thought my strength and my redeemer. In the master's name I pray. Amen. Beloved, on this Sunday, I've chosen to take my text from the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And you've heard the scripture lesson, which was the 14th through the 30th verse. But I want to reread the 24th and 25th verse of this 25th chapter of Matthew. You must recall now that this parable tells us that a man had taken a trip. And to one of his servants, he had given five talents, to another one two, and to another one one. The one with the five talents and the two talents, they went and invested and used their talents wisely. But let us listen to what happened to the one who just had the one talent. Reading from the New King James Version, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. We recognize that the master, pointing to the fact that that master was very upset with the one who had the one talent, instead of trying to make use of that, he offered an excuse. I've come this morning to preach from the subject from excuses to doing. From excuses to doing. There are two critical experiences that stands out in my life and I must convey them to you. The first one, when I was eight years old, I had been diagnosed as an asthmatic since I was nine months old. And because of that, I was limited in terms of a number of things that I could do. I had to be extremely careful in the wintertime. I couldn't always just play in the ice and snow because I was in and out of the hospital wheezing and they're trying to treat my asthmatic condition. Well, at the age of eight, it was a Saturday morning early and I knew that there was no school. I felt somebody shaking me, and my mother called me Mike. 
Mike, Mike. Yes, ma'am, mama, wake up. You have to go to work. Go to work, mama? I'm only eight, and, and what job? You have two yards to cut, two doors down. There are two four-family flats. You will cut the grass, you will trim the grass, and then you are to wash the windows. You're gonna put some vinegar and some water and use newspaper. And they're waiting for you, but mama, I have asthma. I can't work. My mama really did not use profanity at all, and I will not quote what she said. But she said it this way, your behind will work and wheeze. You will not use asthma as a justification for not working. I said, my God, my mother telling me, don't get in your mind that you can make an excuse for not trying to help yourself. The second experience, I was in junior high school, and there was a Latin teacher by the name of Mrs. McIntyre. I had attempted to play basketball, but I was one of the worst basketball players in the history of organized sports in the whole state of Michigan, the upper as well as the lower peninsula. I was terrible. In the midst of trying to play, a ball came off of my finger on the right hand and I had chipped the bone. My father took me to the emergency room and they put me in a splinter. And so I went to school the next day and said, Mrs. McIntyre, I was not able to do my Latin homework because my right hand has been affected because of this finger. Mrs. McIntyre did not really know me. She looked at me and she said, you have a left hand and I don't care how you struggle. You're gonna do your Latin homework and do not come to me with any more excuses. From excuses to doing. Well, beloved, in our text, we find that this man not even try to use that which he had been given. All he could do was to develop an excuse. There is a parallel text to this. If you were to go to the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, you will find Jesus conveying this whole message from excuses to doing in another way. He talks about how he had been traveling. There was a man that came to him and said, oh Lord, I follow you and I want to follow you. And Jesus knew that this man was impulsive. He was quick to talk about what he would do, but he did not understand the cost of discipleship. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. The Bible says Jesus went on. Here comes another man said, Lord, I, I'm going to follow you, but, but first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, the dead going to be with you always. You let the dead bury the dead. Don't give me an excuse why you cannot be my disciple. Then finally, there was another man who came and said, I want to follow you, Lord, but I, I must go back home and say farewell to my family. In each one of these cases, we find persons who claim 
they want to follow the Lord, but they're offering nothing but excuses to prohibit them from getting started. My brother-in-law was married to my older sister, was called down because he had been drafted. He thought he would have an opportunity to go back home after he passed the physical and they checked him out. He was getting ready to gather his goods to go home. A sergeant said, you're not going home. You see that bus out there? You're getting on that bus right now and you're on your way to boot camp. They did not want to hear any excuses at all. How many of us are full of excuses and we're doing very little? How many times have you given an excuse for not doing something that you could do to help yourself, to help the community, and to help your family? The other day in the newspaper, there was an article about a 12-year-old was in the juvenile detention center, a young boy, and the young man was sexually assaulted. There was a debate going on between Wayne County and the state, each one pointing the finger and offering excuses for proper security not being in the juvenile detention center. I want you to understand that I served on the prison board when I was in Norristown, Pennsylvania, and I know how brutal it can be for young men and women who are incarcerated. You must understand for this juvenile detention center, just like many of the county jails, there are persons in there because they cannot afford to pay for good legal representation. And for some of them, they have not even yet been found guilty, but they cannot post the bond. And in many of those facilities, every day, there are young men who are sexually assaulted. What I want to say to Evans, what I want to say to the state, we don't need excuses. We don't need finger pointing. We need adequate security in the juvenile detention centers and even persons who are behind bars. They have certain basic rights that we ought to respect because they are human beings and they are children of the Most High God. I've come today to tell you that you have states like Florida and North Carolina they want to pass laws prohibiting any talk about the critical race theory or talking about slavery. I want you to understand the reason why so many white folks do not want black history taught in the schools because it bothers their conscience and they know that they have been wrong. They know that they have made wealth upon the backs of black folks. It's time for America not to offer excuses, but to stand up and to tell the truth. This country was built on the backs of blacks. This country was made great because of the blood, the sweat, and tears of African Americans. And so then we just don't want to talk about African American history in the shortest month of the year, February. We want children to get a complete education to understand what all Americans have done to make the nation great and those who have done good, those who've done bad, but thanks be to God, we're here and we are all Americans. Three things quickly, then we're gonna move on. 
Don't allow the talents of others to cause you to become a life member of the Do Nothing Club. For the first time in the history of the NCAA, there is not one number one seed that made it to the Elite Eight and will be a part of the Final Four. You want to know why? Because there were some young men on some teams that were told that they couldn't make it. They weren't good enough, no sense in them even being in the NCAA tournament. But I got news for you. Every time man tells you no God will ring a bell and say yes. That young lady you just heard with a special presentation could go from being shot in the neck, not even having taken courses in art, but because of a conversation with God. God said you can use what you have and even though your talents have not yet been recognized by others, what I have given to you, no man, woman, boy, or girl can take away. And even after being denied entrance into the art school one time, two times, three times, the fourth time she got in, don't tell me what you can't do when you have faith in the Lord and when you recognize the Lord giveth and only the Lord can take away. Brothers and sisters, stop making excuses. My mother used to embarrass me. My father in 1955 bought a brand new green and white Bel Air Chevrolet car. That's 1955. 1965, mama still driving that Bel Air stick shift Chevrolet. The body that rusted out, the muffler would make noise, but mama still had the audacity to drive that car to the east side to church, and she just didn't go to church. She had the audacity to pick up my Aunt Matt and to pick up another member. That was bad enough, but she did not try to park a block from the church because I was embarrassed. Mama would pull up in front of the church in that raggedy 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet that was green and white, and mama had the audacity to take off her driving shoes, put on her Sunday going to meeting shoes, would look in the rearview mirror that was about to fall off, straighten her hat, open that door, put one leg in front of the other one, and strutted into the Allen Temple AME Church like she owned the place. She was not going to allow a raggedy car to be an excuse for her not going to the house of the Lord and praising his holy name. I'm talking about from excuses to doing. Might not have a limousine, might not have a new car, but if it can get you from point A to point B, thank God that you got something that's moving and you go on and praise the Lord anyhow. Well, from excuses to doing. I am so glad for the examples that my parents taught me early in life, and so don't allow the talents of others to cause you to become a life member of the Do-Nothing Do Club. Secondly, uh, there are some experiences in life you must cope with 
no matter how difficult and how painful they might be. I was pastoring. Most of you know when I lost my son. I was ready to quit, ready to give up. And my wife, for three nights, I can't even remember, slept with me on the steps. Finally, I was able to get a good psychologist. In the midst of that struggle, I did not miss a Sunday preaching. I did not miss doing a funeral. I did not miss a board meeting. Somebody said, but McCall, how can you do it? I said, let me tell you something. If I cave in now, that means that I've been preaching a counterfeit gospel because I've been telling others that God can see you through. If I cave in now, that means then that I don't believe God is real. If I cave in now, that means that I don't believe that God can make a way out of no way. And so all of those families that I've had to try to minister to and all of those mamas and daddies that I've prayed with when they have lost their children, if I cave in now, they need to tie me to a tree and horse whip me because I've been nothing but an ecclesiastical phony. And I don't believe that I'm a phony. I want you to know that life sometimes can deal you some major blows. But I want you to know that the God I serve is able. He can help you to come through any situation, come through any conflict. I want you to know today that there will even be some people who will not like you or disrespect you. But don't allow people to come to you and talk about other folks. If they got a gripe against somebody else in you, get them all together. But you keep on serving the Lord. Don't you make an excuse about what you can't do because your heart has been broken or because your feelings have been hurt. I know a man who was born in the city of David and they called it Bethlehem. They lied on him, they plotted against him, and they even set traps for him. And even one of his own men had the, the audacity to betray him and his cutthroat buddy friend by the name of Peter even denied him three times. But you see, Jesus stopped by Gethsemane. He didn't have time to make excuses as to why he could not go to Calvary and die for the sins of humanity. I wish I could have been there. But they tell me that when Jesus got in the garden of Gethsemane for three times, he said, Father, oh, this cup is mighty bitter. But if it is your holy will, please remove this bitter cup from me. He not only asked it one time, but he asked it twice and a third time. But then they tell me that finally, Jesus said, I can't make up any excuses as to why I can't go to Calvary. I must move from excuses to doing. And so then the Lord declared, not my will, but thine will be done. But I come to tell you today, beloved, I'm tired of y'all talking about the pandemic. I'm tired of folks standing home from church. This is not the first time this world has dealt with the pandemic. There's some folks who don't even want to go back to work, talking about they're scared to work around people on the job. If you really know the God that you talk about, then you must understand that we came through Gloria, 
the bubonic plague, smallpox, influenza, and even HIV. And I want you to know that we need to stop making excuses as to why we cannot come together and praise the Lord on Sunday morning. Don't keep staying home in your pajamas, in your house shoes, and drinking your coffee and offering excuses as to why you can't come to church. Don't offer excuses as to why you can't do your job on your job. And the God we serve is the one who empowers us to do, not to offer excuses. And so I'm grateful to y'all today. You could have stayed home, but you're here. And you don't ball out those who are here, you thank them. And we're encouraging others to move from excuses to doing. So today, before Monday gets here, I don't want you to come up with one excuse tomorrow morning as to why you can't do what you know you need to do. And the Bible does not tell us, but it is implied that if you make one step, he'll help you to make two. That's not in the Bible, but it's implied that the Lord truly will help those who make an attempt to help themselves. Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to the Ebenezer Speaks podcast of the historic Ebenezer African Methodist Episcopal Church in Detroit, where the Reverend Dr. McCarl D. Thomas Sr. is the senior pastor. Join us for our live stream worship services. You can access the live stream and also follow us on our social media. For information on our programs and services, go to our website at www.historicebenezerandmedetroit.org. Love makes the difference.